Hi there, Sean Kelly, voice of the Gators. Thanks for clicking play on Gator Tales with Sean Kelly. Believe it or not, this is episode number 18. I can't believe it. We've done 17 episodes so far, and I've appreciated all of your feedback, and I am grateful for your continued listenership. As always, leave a review if you don't mind. Good, bad, and different. We'll take the feedback, and you can reach me at my email if you like, K at gators.ufl.edu. Welcome to the show. I'm at the Swamp today. That's where my office is. Good to be with you from home base. We're back on the road with men's basketball this weekend at Missouri. Well, the high temperature will be 9 with a low of 0 this weekend when the Gators take on the Tigers at Mizzou Arena. Just got back from Knoxville. It was just as cold and snowy there. The Gators are in need of a first road conference win on the season, so we'll be pulling for Todd Golden's team to do that this weekend. But while I'm here, I want to share two great conversations with you today on the podcast. Number one, first up, the new director of football performance for the Florida Gators, Craig Fitzgerald. He's barely been in town long enough to visit with me but he's been kind enough to do so. We'll get to know to know him and what he has in store for the Gators football team in the coming weeks and then his long-term vision for his position and his segment of player performance, if you will, because he'll oversee all of it, including nutrition and analytics uh, as well. And then our second big guest today, my broadcast partner, Lee Humphrey. The Gator basketball great shares some good stories today. We talk about his new role as a broadcaster as opposed to being a sharpshooter under Billy Donovan on the way to two national championships. And speaking of Coach Donovan, Lee shares a story regarding Billy D and water skiing today. That's going to be very nice. Kenan McGinnis is back from holiday break. Our student worker back on campus will uh, share with us an experience outside the O-Dome at a home game this past weekend. So with that, let's go. Gator Tales with Sean Kelly, episode number 18. Gator Tales with Sean Kelly is presented by UF Health. UF Health has locations throughout Florida, including Gainesville, Jacksonville, St. Augustine, Leesburg, and the Villages, and we're growing. Compassionate care and world-class outcomes, that's our game plan. Visit ufhealth.org to learn more. Our podcast is also brought to you by Pet Paradise. Gator fans, for pet fanatics like you, there's only one place who goes all out for your pet the way you do. Boarding, grooming, day camp, and veterinary services, all in one convenient location. Pet Paradise and New Day Veterinary Care. Finally, complete pet health care is here for Gator Nation. Our first guest on this episode is one of the newest Gators. It's the new, can I just call you the strength coach? I know there's a director of football performance title involved here, but it's Craig Fitzgerald. Welcome to Gainesville, sir. Sean, thanks for having me on the show. And absolutely, strength coach works great. Just as long as the title represents working with the players. That's why we do it. And you've got a task in front of you. It's a giant program, and you're just getting your feet on the ground. Has it hit you yet that you're going to wear orange and blue almost every day to work? It's already hit me. I'm already wearing it with pride. I love it, and I'm really excited to be here working with our guys. All right, do I have this right? You're coming our way from the NFL, the New York Giants specifically. How long there? Four years in the, in the NFL with the Giants. That's just one of the stops along the way. Craig, I, I read your resume. I mean, your, your breadth of work here, college and pro, uh, seemingly has prepared you and then some for this challenge. 
I've had a lot of great experience. Really, really fortunate to be have those great experiences. I have a great family that is always willing for the next challenge and excited for it. And they're really excited to come to Gainesville and be a part of Florida. Tell me about your family. My wife Mary is the uh, is the the captain of the ship. So, you know, I usually leave early and, and get to the next job, and she packs everybody up and does an amazing job. I have a 16-year-old son, Mac, a 14-year-old son, Joe, and a 12-year-old son, Luke, and uh, they are excited to be here. They, they love SEC football. We've always fo- followed Florida, and when they heard about the opportunity, they were, they were just as excited as I was, and I was very excited. I remember when my two kids were your kids' ages. Tell me, what was that conversation like um, to say that we're going to make this transition in the middle of the school year? Well, we loved where we were. We really enjoyed living where we, where we did, and uh, we were in a good school situation there. And so once we figured out, hey, what Gainesville had to offer and the fact that, you know, in college football, the families can be around a little bit more than they can in the NFL. NFL is, is, is pretty, you know, tight, tight, buttoned up operation at all times as far as, you know, kids coming and going and I, I like the family atmosphere of college so they were excited they remembered that from our last stops how that was and they were a little bit more access so they're excited about that how did you and Billy Napier find each other you know I've heard about coach Napier I, we have fellow coaches that we coach with uh, when I was in South Carolina uh, he crossed paths with different people I coached with there and when this job came open I asked those folks about coach Napier and they said this would be a great person to work for uh, he's a he runs a great program I really enjoy working for him and, you know that sounded really exciting to me and then when you add to it the university of florida and, and the tradition they've had this was really a can't miss opportunity i'm not very smart and i'm older so i know i wanted to call you just the strength coach but let's be real here this is a football performance program that you're going to build here at florida greg will you share some of what your vision is for what this will be that you'll be overseeing with all of our student athletes yeah it, it takes a big team to do it all and, you know, the umbrella gets bigger and bigger every year in this business. And especially in a place like Florida, you have you can have many opportunities to bring really good people in to help the staff. So we have excellent nutrition situation that falls under our umbrella, mobility, testing, scientific data that we run to individualize all the programming. But, you know, it's speed improvement. It's position-specific drills. It's strength. It's mobility. It's recovery. It's nutrition. It's any and all of the above, and it's a nonstop opportunity to help our players be at their best the very next training session. So, you know, just to mention, it, it does take a team. You know, so we have our our staff's great. I mean, we have Tevin Geddes who came to me from the Giants. Um, Alex Watkins, who was here before. Most of the staff, a lot of them were here before, and I thought that was great. I thought the continuity we can have, and I've I've known. Uh, this staff from from other positions I've had and just I've been in touch with them our field is very tight strength conditioning field so we're always in touch with each other seeing each other at conferences and so when I heard about who was on the staff I was really excited um Carson Hendricks does an excellent job Tyler Miles that runs the performance side of this whole operation which involves testing musculature testing the nervous system testing all the performance variables so we can maximize each one with each player and so we're always testing our players in could be hamstring strength efficiencies how we can make that better with each player that reduces injuries so we really have to have data on them and Tyler and his crew do a great job of that uh, Carmichael Dunbar does a great job of helping Tyler but also really supporting our bigger players with what they do and so the list goes on and on um, Ed Thompson is really a good focus on speed improvement but 
it's not like it was 20 years ago where you had one guy in the weight room blowing a whistle. It takes a whole group of people doing all sorts of different tasks to make sure every player is maximizing. It's a perfect lead and You and I are similar in age. You played football at Maryland back in, I think, the mid-90s. This is a whole different ball game. How do, we, how do we compare and contrast what it was when you were playing college football as to what these young men are doing now? Yeah, so I had a great strength coach in college, Dwight Galt. Um, he just retired. And I remember after I got done playing, Dwight hired me to be his assistant. So it was Dwight and I, and we had two other really good people with us, but they had five other teams or 10 other teams each. So it was really Dwight, myself, most of the groups, and you'd have 40 guys in a group. So the attention wasn't nearly as good as it is now. And, and Dwight was excellent. Just having everybody here, every player on every rep is getting coached, whether it be a speed improvement drill, position-specific drill, or a strength drill, the technique coaching is awesome now. And I think that's what this this field has really evolved into is and then when you get done you have all these all this information from each player from tracking how he ran that day from you know his speed on each lift that we can track in the weight room. we come back in the office and we sit down and we talk about each player and go over it so the attention to detail now is so much more than it was so the players can make great improvements your experience has you at sec schools um the nfl obviously the as we just mentioned and, of course, your playing experience, too. Coach, when you look at an NFL program like you just came from with regard to strength, strength and performance and nutrition and what your experience has been at other Division One collegiate stops, are there differences between the two? And maybe the better question is, should there be differences between the two? You know, and people think, hey, like everything goes off of the pros. That's not necessarily the case. There's a lot of things that we do in college now that the pros will try and mimic. You know, and, and facilities are one of the pros used to think, well, you know, colleges, they just have great facilities because it's recruiting. But really, it's, 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 it is recruiting. It's not just recruiting players coming. You're, you're continuing to recruit the players you have, right? And the, the new situation that college football is in, you know, you have to have great facilities. Florida does. There's a real commitment there. Um, but you also have to have great year-round coaching. In the pros, after the season's over, there's a three-month block there unless you're going to go deep into the playoffs or the Super Bowl where the players are on their own. So in our situation, really, that's where we really build our teams through Coach Napier's phases of foundational identity then in the spring football. So this is a really important time for us where the pros are actually off right now. So they don't need as many hands on deck as we do in college. Okay. What do you think makes you and your approach unique that you bring here to Florida? Yeah, I don't. I don't know how unique it is. All I know is this. Uh, our whole goal every day we wake up is to maximize the potential of every single player here. And it's no different than a position coach at his position. Our position happens to be performance. And like you said, that's a big umbrella. You know, we can call it strength and conditioning, we can call it one, but really it's more than that. And so we are, when we wake up in the morning, we look at every variable the player has. And we try also in try and impart growth. And it's also a hardening process. We're imparting mental toughness. And there are some things that you mentioned we played in the 90s. We're, we're a couple old, old fools from the old school, right? But there are some things you want to keep with you in that regard. And this is football. And we have to get stronger and tougher, faster. We have to improve every single day. And improving every single day isn't easy. So it takes a push from the whole the performance staff, the whole strength staff to do that. And the, the players that really are committed, they love that. They want that. And I'm seeing that in these players. There's definitely a hunger with this team that I'm excited to really – that I was excited to see day one. Uh, and it really gets me going every day. Yeah, and you're going to see a lot more of them on an individual basis. It, Craig, there's a head coach – each of these players have position coaches, but at least in my experience, you might spend more time with these players than anybody else on this staff. What have you learned about the, the personal relationship side of this coach-to-player type relation, or dynamic, I guess is what I'm trying to get at. 
Yeah, it, great question, Sean. It takes it, it takes a push from the strength staff, but in order to push, you have to know the players. Players have to know you. They have to know that you, you're you're genuine in your best interest to help them. They have to know that you really care about them. And so, how do you do that? Every day they're in the weight room. You're out there with them. You're right next to them. You're you're loading the other side of the bar. You're spotting them. You know, you, you, little little windows where you you crack a joke with them. You, you know, you, little things like that. They go a long way. And then then you're able to say, hey man. Hey, you got to run through the line harder than that. Let's go. Let's go back and do that one again. Or hey, we got to go a little heavier next time. Let's, let's add a little weight and do one more set here. You're able to do that, and they they know that you're doing it because you're trying to help. So it, it does take. I'm excited about the next week and the week after because we're we're going to become tighter and tighter around here. Yeah, the week and then the week after. I have a feeling that you're almost minute by minute, hour by hour here, is trying to get your feet on the ground. Give me some idea of what January looks like right now, leading toward. February and then, of course, spring football practice. Yeah, and, and everybody, the, every strength staff around the country has their players now full, and you know all the coaches are out there prospecting and looking for looking for talent and recruiting. Right, so this is this is the job. But we are here where the players we're the ones that have the most hits on them, the most touches on them. They're they're, they're with us, and that I love this time. It's also you're starting at the foundational period, as, as Coach Napier calls it, where we're starting at ground zero. We're building the team, right? Building each guy individually. But collectively, we're building a team, and they're working together. They're saying they're starting to coach each other up, but we're also seeing prog- progress in the weights they're using. So this is the best time of the year for us. We get the most chances to train. I have to ask you about Steve Spurrier. You guys were together at South Carolina. Surely you have a great Coach Spurrier story, as most everyone does that has worked or been around him over all these years. Coach Spurrier uh, is is family. I mean, he's he's the best, and. Um, I was really, um, I would guess the right word would be blessed to be hired from. I was at I was at Harvard University, and I interviewed with Coach Sperrier first. I think my, my biggest advantage was I interviewed first. And so Coach Sperrier, you know, I think we hit it off, and he said, let's just do this. So I think that's one of the great things about Coach Sperrier is, he, you know, he, he's a really, he gets to know people, and he, he knows what he wants. And so when I interviewed with him, I was very fortunate. I think if I had gone third, maybe he would have liked somebody else. So I'm glad, he, <laughs> glad I interviewed first. So I had a great opportunity with him uh, for three years at South Carolina, and it was a great three years. I learned so much, and we're still very close friends. This Jerry as well, and, and uh, but yeah, there, there's two, there's so many great ones. But he, what what I really learned was he really knows how to knows how to get a team, turn them into a winner. And so when I was in South Carolina, they hadn't won like that. And then with him, they went three years in a row of eleven wins. They and that was the first year they hit eleven wins. That was the first year they ever ever hit eleven wins. And we did three in a row there, and um, just I learned so much from watching him in action. I was gonna say when when he was teaching them, and I mean collectively them being South Carolina on how to win, yeah. in a in a global sense. What did he instruct you to do? What did he want you to do to be a part of that transition? Yeah, and, I, and Coach Spurrier was always trying to find ways. For, for that specific team to win. And so it could involve passing tree, right? But it could involve running the ball. And I think to his credit, we had a really good running back at the time and we, we ran that guy and it really made a big difference with our team. We really were a physical team under Coach Spurrier. And he really told me, hey, the weight room's gonna be important. And we changed the whole weight room. We bought a whole new weight room and that wasn't done as many times back then. And uh, we it became a priority there. And I think his buy into that Really, the players said, okay, we're really going to buy in here. And we became a very physical team because of him saying that was important. Also, game day. Uh, I haven't met a more competitive person on game. And I think that was important for the players to see in that, hey, look, we're going to train. 
But it's time for game day. It's time for game day. It's time to win. And just watching him, how competitive he was, it spread throughout the whole team, including myself. If we were to put these two things I'm going to bring up in, into boxes, should they see, be in the same box? How do these two boxes work? And the two, two things are make guys bigger, faster, stronger, keep guys from getting injured through strength and performance uh, so that they can stay on the field longer. Uh, this is me, again, going back to the dumb part, uh, trying to figure out your world and, and how you view it. So let's just say there are two boxes at first. The prep we do, and the players will say, hey, look, this is a lot of prep. And they really like it because, and it's everybody a part of this. Jake Sankel, who came the Washington Commanders, who is nutrition and strength here, does an excellent job with our prep. So he has some really good ideas of shoulder injury prevention, knee injury prevention, lower back health and activation, just getting the guys, all those areas that become problems, groin, we're already on it with his prep. And then with Tyler, Miles testing those athletes with their hamstring, with their groin, with their shoulder stabilization on different metrics, we're seeing the improvement. And so that's the injury prevention part, the performance enhancement part, getting stronger and faster, adding muscle mass, gaining strength in certain leverages. But that's also in injury prevention. A stronger, faster person is going to be less injured than a not stronger, faster person. So our players know that too. So we're developing the athlete in the beginning of the program each day with the prep and the intervention. And then with the horsepower we're developing within the strength workout, we're also becoming a healthier team because we're going to really impose our will. That's our goal here rather than the other way around. So I think a, a bigger, faster, stronger athlete with le- more lean muscle mass is less injured. So we're all, that's also a part. What prepared you most? Playing football, studying books, or just getting out in the field and doing it? I think the best mechanics are the ones that do it, you know, and I think you have to do your research, and that's a really fun part. Like, I enjoy the free reading of our field. I really do. I get into it and buy books and still buy the books and get them, read them on the plane, the whole deal, and research as often as I can. But also the reps you have as a coach are huge. So by being involved and coaching guys over the years, I learn every day from watching our players. So I'm in there. I may learn a better way to to pick the barbell up, a better way to start a position-specific sprint just by coaching them and saying, oh, you know what? I actually been you know, coaching this maybe not the best way the last few years. This is actually a better way. Or hearing an assistant strength coach pick something up and you know, bring that to our staff. So the doing part, I think, is the most How do you stay balanced? I know you're not going to have a whole lot of free time anytime soon, but how do you yourself keep balanced? Is it a hobby? Is it running around with the kids? What is it? I love watching my kids play their sports, and I don't get a ton of opportunities for it, but when I can, whether it be a video sent of a wrestling match by my wife or if there's a you know a, a late late Friday night game or something like that and I can catch it if it's local, I enjoy that. It's really my only hobby um, is, is coaching the players is, is my life's work, and I love it. And then if I can, wherever I can get to watch my kids in action, that's what I'm doing. Sounds like a, just everybody else who's raising teenagers these days. We're going to go with Craig. We're going to go with Coach. Coach Fitz, I've heard that too. When I see you next time, which am I going with? Uh, hey, Fitz works. Fitz works great. Sounds good. Welcome to Gainesville. Thanks for joining us, and uh, go Gators. Thanks, Sean. And all the way, go Gators. Really excited about what we got coming. As I mentioned at the top, Kenna McGinnis is back from holiday break. Our student worker has been putting together her Kenna on Campus segments for us here on Gator Tales throughout the fall semester and now resumes her duties on this podcast, beginning here with episode 18. If you've been by the O'Connell Center on the day of a 
Gators men's basketball game, you've probably noticed the long winding line of students outside of gate three. A lot of them camp out, sometimes even overnight, to get the best seats in the student section. Well, the temptation proved to be too much. Kenna starts off her new semester getting to know those who are rowdy about the reptiles. When you're a student who's a basketball fan at the University of Florida, getting the best seat in the house is no easy feat. It takes a lot more than simply downloading your tickets the night before. We have our camp set up, so we have towels and blankets so we can take naps. Um, we also took turns getting breakfast and Starbucks. Um, and if you walk around campus, it helps you heat up. So that's a pro tip if you want to camp out. On this game day, it was 40 degrees and windy. The student's effort in line doesn't go unrecognized, even by head basketball coach Todd Golden, who with the help of the Gators marketing team, handed out cookies to those waiting. The cookies made it a lot better, and then we got Starbucks and breakfast, so we've just been chilling out here. <laughs> Lying on the sidewalk, all bundled up and wrapped in a blanket, was Hope. Hope is a junior who just transferred to Florida from Elon. She is just experiencing this for the first time. So I went to a small school in North Carolina, so I'm really excited to like go to a game and have the crowd be like hype and just experience that like, you know, Gator spirit. It's my favorite part. And if you want to be first in line, that's a whole nother ball game. Dude, I'm very committed to this basketball team. That's Alex. He's certainly no rookie. Very simple. Get a bag. Got my book bag full of snacks, a laptop. Got my chair so I'm not sitting on the concrete. You know, and it's not sunny, so that worked out for me. You'd think that being in line that early would guarantee a front row seat, but not so fast. It's still a race to the student section when the doors open. Good news, though. Front and center in the lower bowl were Hope and Asia. This has quickly become the best day of my life. The second I started double fisting pom-poms, I knew it was worth it. It is an amazing view, and it's going to be a good game. Go Gators! In fact, it was a great game. Florida 90, Arkansas 68. I'm Kenna McGinnis, and this has been Kenna on Campus. My next guest on the podcast this week is Lee Humphrey, a Gators great, one of the most distinguished and decorated Gators basketball players of all time. Uh, by the way, he's also now in his second year of being my broadcast partner on the uh, Gator Sports Properties, uh, Gator Sports Network broadcast of Gators men's basketball. Um, he's also probably one of the kindest uh, and most genuine and uh, laughs at everything, even though it's probably not funny, guys, I've ever been around. So it's it's my delight to not only visit with Lee several times a week during the basketball season, but to do so here today uh, on Gator Tales. Uh, full disclosure as well, Lee and I are recording this interview less than 24 hours removed from what I could describe as one of the worst road trips I have ever been on whether it be Florida, ESPN, Pelicans, whatever. So, Lee, first of all, thank you for doing this. Um, something we were probably going to do on the plane last night, but since it was like 2 o'clock in the morning, no thanks. We decided to record this with some hours removed. Um, good morning. Oh, good morning. It's just a few hours ago, Sean. We were sitting beside each other at the table in Tennessee. I, I, in Tennessee, doing a game that was moved up because of all the weather in Knoxville, and yet we still didn't get home until after 3 a.m. So when you think about in your in your history as a, a broadcaster now, first with Mick Hubert and now with myself, or during your playing days, um, 
Can you think of a road trip that ranks as um, atrociously as this one? You can say it was your worst. I probably can top it with a few European stories. But uh, I'll say in Ukraine, we took the overnight train to every game. Uh, so we would leave the night before the game. We'd bus or train for about 12 hours. It's bunks, four bedrooms in a compartment, four beds in a compartment, bunk beds, two on each side. We would we would sleep to the game, take a nap at a hotel, play the game overnight, bus, train, back. Was that exciting at first? And when did it become like, this is the worst thing ever? So the first couple of trips, it was, you know, the novelty was there. Super excited, playing cards, hanging out with the guys on the team. But after the third or fourth trip, you know, you're kind of just like, I think there's planes. Uh, yes, it's got to be a better, there's got to be a better way. How many right. years did you play overseas, Lee? Was it like, I want to say, was it like 15 years or something like that? I wish. Eight. eight. Torian, okay. Now, Torian lasted almost 15. I was about eight. And in France, we also took an overnight bus. But they have buses in France where the seats fold down to make just one giant bed on the bottom and one giant bed on the top. So you sleep, you know, head to foot with the guys just lined up across the bus. I envision uh, playing professional basketball in France with like you guys on this bus, but there's like baguettes and bottles of wine uh, and cheeses. Is that how you would all would eat as as basketball players in France? Humor uh, me on this did, one. We did have a nice little snack. There's always coffee before the games. Coffee before the games. Coffee before the games. There are there are legendary stories even in the NBA about guys drinking coffee before games to the point where they have coffee beans imported from all over the world. Fancy coffee makers. I, I've I never saw anybody drink coffee Lee, like Daryl Armstrong. Do you remember Daryl Armstrong and during his oh, NBA yeah. days? I remember he went to Europe to play after. He did. He did. And he was already kind of a high energy, maybe high strung kind of guy. And then to think that he would drink almost a whole pot of coffee before games. He was a very caffeinated individual over the years. <laughs> Lee, you mentioned Torian Green and, you know, he was your teammate, of course, for the 06 and 07 championships with the Florida Gators. And, you know, we were in your neck of the woods this week in Knoxville, Tennessee. Uh, did you you graduated from high school about 20 years ago? Is that hit you yet? Well, we had a 20 year high school reunion. I wasn't able to make it. And I think that's the first time and it was kind of like, wow, 20 years. I'm ancient. Did they have a special T-shirt for you since you were Mr. Basketball Tennessee? I don't think so. No, no, no. no. Football was slightly bigger. Football is still bigger there, I, I I think. You know, it's interesting. We we talked this week about your kind of your path and whatnot. Obviously, growing up in Maryville, your high school mascot and mine are the same. Uh, and, of course, you were just down the road from Rocky Top, yet you came to Florida. Looking back now, what was the most significant thing or moment in your decision to go to the University of Florida? Well, I'll share a story. The story actually happened after I already decided to go to Florida, so I can't tell you. That that's why I went to Florida. But for basketball reasons, in my mind, I grew up in the SEC. I loved the conference. I followed the conference super closely. Obviously, I like Tennessee. And in my mind, Kentucky was the number one program from a quality standpoint. Florida was right there at number two and was really up and coming. So when I had the chance to go to Florida, uh, I jumped on it really because of that and because of Coach Donovan and Coach Grant. So here's my story. After I'd already committed, I only took one official visit. That's the only official visit I took was to Florida. I took a couple unofficials on some AAU trips, but Florida was my clear number one. Marquette was number two. Uh, but on my home visit, Coach Donovan and Coach Grant came up to Tennessee. I was a big water skier growing up. So my dad was a teacher. My mom was in education. So they had the summers off. We water skied four or five days a week. We were like water ski snobs. We only went during the week when the water was like glass. Like no, any any ripples in the water was like, ah, we're going home. So we we told Coach Donovan, okay, we'll take 
take you out for a good time. So we took Coach Donovan and Coach Grant out on the ski boat. Coach Coach Donovan had never skied before. We gave him my slalom ski. It's one ski. My sister's slalom ski. Two different size skis. We got him out there on two skis. And he skied and he looked terrible, but he stayed up. <laughs> We couldn't get Coach Grant to try it. And then to finish it off, I barefoot skied for him. Coach Donovan told me after I barefoot skied, I don't ever want you to barefoot ski again. Out of all the Billy Donovan stories you've told me, I never, A, well, first of all, let me back up. I didn't know you were an accomplished water skier, first of all. And then you have the great Billy Donovan water ski story. Here it is. I don't know How if he's ever been on skis since. Uh, probably not. How have you never told me this story? I got a couple left. Not many. Are you saving them or is there another one that you want to share today about Coach LED? Well, I'll share a short one. I think we may have shared this last time when we were taking stories, but Coach Donovan would like to cut up and practice. I mean, he was serious, as you know, like he was intense, but he also liked to joke around and 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 have a good time. Well, I always, I breathed harder than anybody on the team. Like I was always sucking wind. I don't know what it was, but maybe I would just wasn't as naturally gifted as the other guys with conditioning. I got to a good spot, but I would come to the huddles and all the time coach Don would be like, Lee, can you just save some oxygen for the rest of us? <laughs> were, you, were you that way in your high school playing days too? Has it always been a hard time getting air in and out for you? It's not been my strength, but I mean, I was always good enough, but I, you know, I was in good shape, but I had to work at it. You, uh, you don't need to, to, uh, have great conditioning to see the ball go through the hole. Um, you're one of the most accomplished shooters in Florida Gators history and your NCAA tournament record for three pointers made still stands to this day. We're, we're a long way removed from your last tournament appearance. Do you remember, or do you know what the number is for your total three pointers made in NCAA tournament play? I think it's 47. Don't quote me on it, but I think it's 47. See, now you're going to make me look this up. Hold on. I have it right here. I have it right here. It is correct. You are 47 of 102. So a good percentage, I'll take A great percentage, and it's still today, is the NCAA record. And, and I look back at, you know, even in the Final Fours, you know, we see guys today hit four, five, six, seven three-pointers in a game. Uh, I, modestly in the Final Four, I think one Final Four, you hit four. So you were spreading your three-pointers out across... The entire tournament. What would you say was your biggest shot in tournament play? Biggest shot, um, I think coming out uh, in the first national championship game, I hit three straight threes to start the half against UCLA and instantly opened up the game. And we were good playing with the lead. So it kind of ended it right there. We had a lead, a small, I think we were at like six, maybe at halftime, something like that. And then three straight possessions, three threes. Three threes to basically nail down what was going to be another another right, win right. amazing you know you and i were talking uh probably during the the hours that we spent sitting waiting for an airplane to be ready for us the other day and we got to talking about nil and, uh, different players who have had different benefits over the years and you started to run down and, and we're talking about back the, the first back-to-back -back champs since duke in the early 90s you started to run down the the cars that you and your teammates were all driving. Would you mind sharing that again, if you don't mind? Who was driving what on those championship teams? Well, first of all, we all lived on campus. Chris Richard was a key, or no, in Springs, where we lived our freshman year. He stayed there all four years. The O4s were in Keys, because, you know, you had your own room in Keys, and you had four bedrooms, a bathroom that you shared in a living room. So we thought we were, like, big time. We all lived in Keys. Uh, I had a minivan. I think Tor I think Torian had a Chevy uh, Malibu, and uh, that was it. Nobody else had a car. No, I think we, uh, uh, Jack Berry had a car, I believe, uh, and Garrett Tyler may have had a truck. But Al, Joe, uh, Corey, uh, Moss, Walter Hodge, Huertes, Maurice Spates. No cars. <laughs> we walked everywhere.
you walked everywhere or in your case you had the minivan which i guess became the de facto team bus right the team bus right there if we, if we had to go out to coach donovan's for you know team meal i was there's always guys uh piloted the van and then i did also had i had a jeep i had a jeep for a semester so i learned to drive on a 1964 it was my dad's jeep it's the same jeep that he learned to drive on well we, we we put it on a trailer and brought it down to campus for a semester uh and so i would take the guys around in this jeep no doors no top 1964 no power steering, three speed. The stick was like, you know, longer than my arm. Yeah. Long, straight, skinny <laughs> stick shift. Yeah. Why did it only last one semester, Lee? Well, it was a little, it, it wasn't the best. It was too much of a fun car. You know, it wasn't great for if it rained or cold, cold in the winter. I didn't have tools to work on it. It's just not, the, not like I could work on cars either, but like, you know, <laughs> a couple small things. It, it wasn't the most reliable. Oh my gosh. That is priceless. Uh, dinner at Coach Donovan's house would normally consist of what? What was the the specialty of the house? Well, Christine liked to cook, so she would always have some desserts and some things that she would make. We'd get some stuff catered in sometimes, uh, but the variety was really good. I can't really remember what the go-to was, but um, I mean, we would go out there several times a year, so it, it was it was pretty common. I'd say once a quarter we were out there at least. You are now around um, today's college athlete, specifically men's college basketball um, through your work with me uh, in calling these games. Are there any similarities between the, the experiences of these young men now and what you guys you know lived, went through? And what is starkly in contrast to those experiences at this point? Well, I think there's a lot of similarities with you know just probably schedule with basketball, similar games, similar way to travel. Um, I, think, I think where it's different really mainly is just, I guess, the social media component. We didn't have that at all. You know, uh, so it, it was nothing that we had to worry about or take interest in. Um, so I think that probably changes the dynamic a little bit. Uh, but I mean, being around this year's team, they all seem really close. They seem like they like to cut up. Uh, I think they've got a great dynamic, um, interact well together. So, I mean, how they interact on the road, that's that's what we were doing. The, the, the schedule is pretty similar, and I'm, I'm sure they're in the gym probably as much as we were. With regard to NIL and the transfer portal, let's let's take those each you know, one at a time here. Lee, if the transfer portal existed then, do you think that that team could have stayed together the way yours did? Well, our, I would like to think so. Our team was super close-knit, um, and they had the option for the NBA, as everybody knows. So it was kind of like the transfer portal with the big payday for them, uh, and they chose to come back. So I'm thinking we could have kept the team. Uh, but what I thought about this, and I mean, I guess this is completely different. I mean, we didn't have a single player transfer into the team all four years that I was there. Uh, and I think it was all high school guys coming. And then um, we had a couple guys, maybe one or two a year who transferred out. Um, and I'm pretty sure that's right, that we didn't have any transfers into the team in my four years. That's amazing. Uh, the NIL, the NIL aspect of it. Um, are you, are you one of the, one of the formers that would say, man, I wish we had that back then. <laughs> um, or again, just the, the simplicity of you and your makeup as a person. Part of me thinks that maybe you're glad that it wasn't around in the way it is now. Yeah, it's hard to answer, really. I, I mean, I wouldn't change anything the way it happened. So it really worked out great for us. We had a blast. So I wouldn't change anything. I wouldn't say it would be nice to have... Uh... <laughs> to, ha to have it to have some to, you know to be compensated that would have been nice but uh i wouldn't change it because i mean it, we had a blast and uh you know most fun playing basketball i've ever had yeah no doubt you know one of my one of my favorite things about working with you is that you see the game differently than i will ever be able to do so do you still see the game as a player or now as a broadcaster are you watching basketball differently and and, and on top of that 
how much basketball do you watch these days? And I understand there's another job in a family. We'll get to that. But are you a basketball junkie, and does that help you as a broadcaster? I think I think all the years playing definitely helps me. Um, I think I watch the game differently than I play because when you play, you're so focused on your single specific role, and you know what you need to do. Uh, but in broadcasting, you need. I almost feel like it's more as a coach. You want to see the game from the whole perspective, uh, a wide lens, and see big trends and see what's working as an offense, see what the other team's doing on defense. And when you're in your pl- when you're playing, you're more focused on your role and like what the defense does and how it impacts you. Um, so I think that I think there is a different way to watch it. Uh, to be honest, I don't watch a ton of basketball outside of broadcasting. I watch SEC games when I can. And my, my boys like to watch basketball, so I watch it with them. And I really don't start watching NBA until pretty much the time that um, college basketball's over. I'll catch a game here and there, but there's just not a lot of time to watch a lot of I, I think that you're like a lot of folks with regards to their NBA watching habits these days. Tell me about the boys. How old are the boys now? I, I always lose track of their ages. So nine, six, and four. Uh, they're all two to two and a half years apart. Um, got a third, first, and kindergarten. And not Chelsea, kindergarten. you're third, beautiful. first, VPK. Yep. And Chelsea's your beautiful bride still to this day. Yep. You, you, have all, you have crab. Were you college sweethearts? College sweethearts. I met her my end of my junior year, a couple years older. Um, and she finished school. We got married and uh, she came with me overseas. What an adventure. How did you convince her to follow you around Europe on overnight trains and French bus rides? Well, fortunately, she's very adventurous and she likes to try new things uh and so it was a great match if it wasn't for that i don't know if we could is she uh, uh orange and blue through and through to this day even um orange removed a little bit yeah her, all her sisters went to florida so she's one of three girls they all went to florida uh, her parents went to iu they're they're from indiana so they're big basketball well you married right didn't you right a basketball family a gators family uh and now the three boys it's fantastic um i would love to think that your work with me on you know 30 some odd college basketball games is is paying all the bills um i know better uh there's a day job lee would you share with everyone what you, what your what your career has become post playing days yeah, so post post paying playing, I went. I've made a huge career shift. I went into really HR consulting, almost HR solutions. I sell HR solutions to Fortune 500 companies, basically. That's a long way from a degree in what uh, physiology and kinesiology. Physiology and kinesiology. It's, yeah, I, I I had it in my mind I was going to go be a doctor pre med, and then uh, you know I decided I want to play basketball for eight years, and there's no way I'm going back to med school after that. How do you convince a company to hire you? HR solutions from a basketball physiology kinesiology background. Well, there's a lot of soft skills, so you've got to figure out how to position those soft skills and experiences. <laughs> And it also helps uh, to have some ties to the university. So um, some folks at the university uh, helped me get my first first gig with this company in an internship. I think that's so important for you to say. I don't I don't want to take that lightly in any in any sense, because I think the networking that comes with being a Gator um, is ultra important for alumni and soon to be alumni coming out of the university to this day. Have you yourself been able to contribute to that network in a way now that you've benefited from it yourself. So I've done some work with university. Uh, actually, same guy, Mike Walkholz is the guy who who helped um, get me this job. Um, and I've worked with him with the business school on a few functions to kind of help coach uh, or at least speak to some current students on 
you know, how to use the network, how to get out there. Um, and I, I know our company's hired a few uh, Gators throughout the years too. Gators helping Gators. Uh, Lee, for the sake of your schedule and the uh, duration or the length of this podcast, I, I probably should wrap things up. But before I let you go, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you about this year's Gators men's basketball team. Uh, at the timing of our visit here, we're 17 games into the season. What have you learned so far about this particular edition? Perhaps what can they be the rest of the way? I tell all the Gator fans we have a fun team. Uh, make sure they catch the team if they haven't yet. We've put up a ton of points in a lot of games. Now, granted, the Tennessee game yesterday wasn't our best showing. Uh, but we were before that scoring about 90 points a game in conference. Uh, we've got a fun group of guys that you can rally around. They play hard um, and they're young. So I think Todd's... Um, created a, an atmosphere with the team and you can see where he wants to take the, the direction of the program and it's a team that you can rally around so uh I, I think that, that that's what i would say to gator fans and also too i mean we've got a tough stretch uh to start the conference one and three it was a brutal schedule to start we're still in the midst of that at missouri next uh pick up a couple wins we're right back in the mix of being uh ncaa tournament talk so i think if we can have a good conference play uh that's that's really the goal of this team i think is to try to make it into the tournament and they've got a chance to do it. well said um you continue to be an ongoing surprise the uh accomplished water skier fact today uh kind of knocks me back a little bit are there any other hidden talents that you have not shared with me yet uh, i don't know i don't think so not too many played baseball and football i won the long throw championship in football eighth Say grade what? eighth grade i threw it 55 yards to win the uh the, the long throw okay every conversation <laughs> we have i learned something just like this and and as i i want to keep that going uh, that we'll we'll end on that got God only knows what I'm going to find out about you this weekend in Columbia, Missouri. So thank you so much again for doing this uh, in not the most ideal circumstances. Uh, for those, this is a, a audio only podcast. I will say this here at the end. Uh, Lee and I are visiting via Zoom right now, and his background is the landscape of Mars, which I guess at this point, if you've listened to this interview, shouldn't surprise you in any way. <laughs> Lee, thank you. Go Gators. Go Gators. Thanks, Sean. And that's a wrap for Gator Tales with Sean Kelly, episode number 18. Coming up, by the way, on Monday, January 22nd, the women's basketball team takes on Mississippi State at 7 p.m. It is the Weback Pat game with $10 tickets, plush Gator hats for the first 500 UF students, post-game layups, too, for kids 12 and under. I mentioned the men's team is on the road this weekend at Missouri, but back home on Wednesday, January 24th, 8.30 tip against Mississippi State. Tickets starting at just $15. And then the homestand will wrap up on Saturday, January 27th. A noon game against Georgia. That ball game is getting close to a sellout. If you get in now, you can get some tickets for as low as $25. But you might want to ask fast. It'll be a very important homestand for the Gators coming up after this road game at Missouri. Thanks to my guests today, Craig Fitzgerald, Coach Fitz. And Lee Humphrey, too, the Gator all-time basketball great. And my broadcast partner, as always, want to thank Kenny McGinnis and those who sponsor our podcast, UF Health and Pet Paradise. I'm Sean Kelly. Until perhaps the Gators are playing and I get to have you with me on the radio, or until next time on this podcast, so long for just a while, and go Gators!